0: Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the P forty Ministries podcast with your host. Jen, and I hope you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday afternoon or morning whenever you're tuning in to listen. And you know, let's go ahead and discuss Exodus chapter thirty-four today, verses ten through twenty-seven. And by the way, I'm going to be having a really, really fantastic guest on the podcast tomorrow. This is Jay Warner Wallace that's going to be joining us, and he wrote the book uh, "Cold Case Christianity," and he also wrote um, "Person of Interest," which he's actually going to be talking about tomorrow on the podcast. So tune in because that's a really special episode with a really special guest that I'm so excited to share with you guys. And I do believe it's going to be a very interesting episode for all you guys. And I definitely recommend his book, Person of Interest. I read it and I learned a lot from it. You know, I thought it was super cool how much influence Jesus really has on the modern day, which is what the book is all about. It just talks about basically modern day Christianity and how Jesus is head of all of it, and even things with non-Christians that I just, I didn't expect. So definitely tune in tomorrow at 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up for a podcast episode with J. Warner Wallace. But today we're going to be discussing Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 through 27. A lot of this is actually going to be repeated because God is once again declaring the Ten Commandments pretty much to Moses right before he writes them down on the second bunch of tablets that um, he is making for the people. So let's go ahead and discuss this. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version as I usually do. He said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not been worked in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of Yahweh, for it is an awesome thing that I do with you. Observe that which I command you today. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Be careful lest you make covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare for among you. But you shall break down their altars and dash in their pieces their pillars, and you shall cut down their Asherah poles. For you shall worship no other god, for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Lest they play the prostitute after their gods and sacrifice to their gods. And one call you and you eat of his sacrifice. And you take their daughters to your sons and their daughters play the prostitute after their gods and make your sons play the prostitute after their gods. You shall make no cast idols for yourselves. You shall keep the feast of the unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in the month Abib you came out of Egypt. All that opens the womb is mine and all your livestock that is male, the firstborn of cow and sheep. You shall redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a lamb. If you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. You shall redeem the firstborn of your sons. No one shall appear before me empty. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks with the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of the harvest at the year's end. Three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel. For I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither shall any man desire your land when you go up to appear before Yahweh, your God, three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. The sacrifice of the feast of the Passover shall not be left to the morning. You shall bring the first of your first fruits of your ground to the house of Yahweh, your God. And you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Yahweh said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So a lot of this should be repeated for you guys. If you've been paying attention to some previous episodes of the P40 Ministries podcast, we've talked a lot about some of this stuff. For example, the Sabbath day, we've had plenty of time to talk about that. And also the boiling of the goat in the mother's milk. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard that one a few times. And I did an episode about that one and what that actually meant. And that was something that uh, the ancient people would actually do as like a weird uh, ritual towards their gods. They would like boil alive a goat in its mother's milk as like a sign of prosperity. I don't know how that's a sign of prosperity, but that's what they would do. So God was basically saying, don't do this. (laughs) don't do that because firstly, it's cruel. And secondly, you would be offering to another God if you did that. And that's not cool. So in verse 10, he's talking about redoing this covenant. So the people completely disobeyed God. They made themselves an enemy of God. That's actually what it says in, um, Oh, I just read that actually. I think that was, was that Colossians that they said that, Um, Paul said that they made themselves an enemy of God, but that's what they did. You know, God had to leave because all of a sudden his people became his enemies when they were worshiping this false idol and they forgot about God and they were doing all these sinful things while they were worshiping this idol and just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so God left those people, but now his relationship with them is being repaired because of Moses, their high priest, Moses interceded for his people. And went up and talked with God on several different occasions. And we don't know how long this took. This could have taken a couple months. It seems like it took a while. But Moses eventually repaired this relationship between God and the people. Exactly what a high priest was supposed to do. So now... God is saying he, he's basically reiterating his commands that he gave to the people a while back. And so he says that, um, you know what? I am going to come back to the people. I am going to be among them again is what he basically says. And he says, I'm going to make this covenant with you guys. You know, this covenant that you guys broke, I am redoing. I am merciful towards the people. I love them and uh, I am doing a special covenant with the people. And so he says that I'm going to do tons of marvels for you guys. You know, I'm going to do miracle after miracle for you guys. And uh, it's miracles that have never been seen by literally any other nation. I am going to do for the nation of Israel. And so it's an awesome thing that I'm going to do for you guys. And that is what God did. I mean, he did so many miracles for the nation of Israel all throughout their time period. Pretty much, you know, he was miraculously giving them victory in battles. I mean, we see that a lot. I mean, he He just did so much stuff that we'll talk about later. But anyway, it says in verse 11 through 12, or I'm sorry, 11 through 17, which is actually what, what I really want to focus in on today. He's talking about The people and their Asherah poles. So what the heck is an Asherah pole? So (laughs) I had to look that up myself. So an Asherah pole is actually like this like wooden thing that people would erect. And it was to the goddess Asherah. And we hear about Asherah poles pretty much all the way to like past Jeremiah. Okay, so this was something that God hated. He did not want any people worshiping this goddess Asherah, because she didn't exist. And plus, she was pagan. This was a very immoral goddess. She was the consort to her son, Baal, they believe. She was a consort to this other god at the time called El. And uh, she was basically this like fertility goddess. And, you know, what happens with fertility goddesses, people, uh, you know, worship these fertility goddesses by having sexual relationships with other people. So the Asherah pole was something that people would worship in honor of this female consort goddess, chick, Asherah. So uh, later on throughout scripture, we find out that the Israelite people actually mixed in Asherah with their belief in God or Yahweh. They would actually put stuff, um, they, they would actually like put Asherah poles next to God's temples or in God's temples, I don't know. They would put, you know, they mixed Asherah in with God. And there is um, an inscription somewhere, I don't know where, but there is an inscription somewhere that they found that said, Yahweh and his Asherah. So in other words, Yahweh and his wife, Asherah. So people would start mixing in these two religions. Now, here's the thing. Paganism and Christianity don't mix. They just don't mix. Christianity and, and Judaism, I should say, because we're talking about Jewish people here. Judaism is a monotheistic religion. So if you start mixing in all these other different gods and goddesses, you know, that's not, no longer a monotheistic religion you're starting to worship all sorts of god gods instead of worshipping the one true god which is Yahweh so god wanted nothing to do with these asherah poles and wanted the people to have nothing to do with these asherah poles because not only would this cause sin but these would these these things would lead the people away from god you know the worship of other gods and goddesses lead people away from God. That's just the natural response to things, because as people make up rules and they make up their own religion and they make up this and that, they're going to get further and further and further away from God. So God was super, super, super adamant here in verses basically 11 through 17, that they need to smash down these Asherah poles when they get into the land of Canaan. So what God is saying here is he says that Um, God himself is going to drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So those were all the people that lived in the Canaanite region at this point in time. And God says that he himself was going to drive these people out and give this land back to the Israelite nation. Because you remember that Abraham lived there, and Isaac lived there, and Jacob lived there, and now it belongs to the Israelite people. So God's going to drive these people out, but he says that the people that do get left behind in Israel, so the people that do stay behind, the Israelites should not make any kind of covenant or promise with these people or like a peace treaty with them, they should not make anything like this with these people because these people worship these other gods. He says that instead of making a peace treaty with them and, you know, living, uh, simultaneously with them with two different religions in one place, God is saying to the people, go and smash down their false idols. Show them. What the real God is, you know, smash down these Asherah poles and these pillars. It says that break down their altars, dash in pieces, their pillars and cut down their Asherah poles for you shall worship no other God for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God literally says that his name is jealous. And I like that it's capitalized. So the J in jealous is capitalized. So that is God's name. That is what God calls himself. He calls himself jealous. He is a jealous God. You know, he wants us. I mean, that's pretty cool. Actually, if you think about that, he is jealous for you. He wants us. You to come to him. He doesn't want you worshiping anything else. He wants you to worship him. He loves you. He wants you. I think that is just so cool that his name is jealous. You know, how powerful is that if you really think about that? But I mean, I could go off on jealousy for a while. You know, we talk about jealousy almost as being a bad thing sometimes. But but a lot of the time, jealousy is a really good thing, because here's the thing. I don't want any other girl coming after my man. You know, if this girl is putting her hands all over my husband, I'd go up to her and I'd be like, look, get your hands off my husband. (laughs) I would hope my husband would say it first, but if he didn't, for some reason, I would go up and I would say it to her. And, (laughs) but anyway, that kind of jealousy is a good thing because guess what? That's my husband. You ain't touching him. And God is saying the same thing about us. He's saying, look, you're mine. I don't want anything else taking your attention away from me. And God often considers himself to be the husband and, and puts himself in that kind of like husband-wife relationship with us in, in a way. You know, it, it's a picture. It's a picture of what God is doing with us. You know, he's similar. He's he's similar to a husband, a person that is, you know, jealous for his wife. He doesn't want his wife going off and marrying any other man. He wants his wife here with him, you know, and, and that's just a natural response that we have with our spouses. You know, we don't want any other man or woman or, or anybody going up and and touching our spouse. We don't want that. So that's a natural response God puts in us. And it's a picture of how God feels about us, you know, you and me, the church. So he says in verse 15, he says, don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, lest they play the prostitute after their gods. So he says, I don't want them playing the prostitute after their gods. And I don't want you playing the prostitute after their gods. I am the only person you should be worshiping. And he uses this word prostitute because think about how tough that would be if your wife or your husband turned to prostitution. And there's actually a book in the Bible called Hosea, where God <laughs> has this poor prophet named Hosea go and marry a prostitute. And of course, she um, she stays faithful to him for a little bit, but then she goes off and does her own thing and start sleeping around with other men. And Hosea has to go back and get her back. He has to redeem her. But it's a picture of how God feels about us. You know, when we take our attentions away from him to worship other things, whatever it might be, whether it's Asherah or uh, something in your life, your work, your husband, your wife, your uh, family, I don't know, whatever it might be, when you take your focus off of God and start worshiping something else in your life, God considers it playing a prostitute. You know, we'd be devastated if our husbands or wives cheated on us or, you know, our husbands and wives played the prostitute in a sense, we'd be devastated. And that's how God feels about us. So he's saying here, I don't want you guys playing the prostitute after their gods. And I don't want them doing it either. You know, everything God does, he's, he's pulling people towards him constantly. He's always pulling people towards him. Even the Egyptians, you know, we we talked about that, how God was saying, you know, I'm sending these plagues for the Egyptians so that they will know that I am God you know stop worshiping these cows and these sheep and these frogs and everything else they worshiping start worshiping the true God Yahweh that's what God is saying to the Egyptian people so he's always pulling people towards him you know we, we often think that the Old Testament is reserved only for um for the Israelites and yes I mean the Israelites were supposed to have the law they were God's chosen people to show the rest of the world what it was like to live under God's law that was the purpose of the israelite nation was to be a blessing to every other nation on earth and there was actually a verse i read actually let me see if i can find that verse so i don't screw it up hang on a second here i was just reading it okay so it starts in colossians 1 verse 15, and it talks about uh, how Jesus was around from the the creation of the world, and he existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. It also talks about how he's the head of the church and basically what his purpose was for coming to earth. And so then it says here in verse um, 22, it says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And then it says, if you go down a little bit further, it says that um, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church. And this is Paul talking by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people for God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. So that's uh, Paul talking there in verse, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in Colossians 1 about, you know, Christ's purpose for coming to earth and how the truth has now been revealed and it is for you and me nowadays. But back then these people didn't know that, but it was for the Gentiles too. That is specifically what Paul says. He says, you know, the the salvation was also Meant for the Gentiles, and we can see this all throughout scripture about how God is talking about how He's jealous, not just for the Israelites, but for you and for me. You know, Gentiles, well, I don't know if you're a Gentile, but I am. <laughs> you know, Gentiles like me, God has included me in this gift of salvation, and that was from the very beginning of time. God had always um, included, he, He's always meant to include the Gentiles. And it says that even in the Old Testament, he talks about that, how if anybody wants to start following the law, who is not a Jewish person, let them, you know, bring them into your community as a Jewish person. Pretty much. That's what God talks about. So that was the point. And, you know, I think a lot of people miss that. And uh, even here, how he's talking about, you know, having no covenant with these people because they're playing the prostitute to their gods. You know, show them. That's what God's saying. Show them the true God by smashing down their altars and their Asherah poles and whatever else they're worshiping. Because guess what? When you smash that stuff down, their gods aren't coming to help them. Their gods are not coming to help them. And even if they attack you for it, it says, God says specifically here, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to drive them out, you know? So that's what God is saying, that uh, the people need to be fully committed to him because the other nations at that time, you know, the Canaanites, they're going to see that the Israelites are worshiping Yahweh and they're going to be like, huh, their God is actually for them. (laughs) but God goes on to uh, describe a whole bunch of other rules that were kind of reiterated. So I'm not gonna talk about all those today just because um, we're gonna definitely talk about them more in the future and I've talked about them in the past as well. But in verse 27, it says that God says to Moses, write down all these words for in in accordance to these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So their relationship, God and Israel's relationship is fully restored after only two chapters in the Bible. You know, Exodus 32, they did that great sin. Exodus 33, God left the people. You know, God's presence left the people. And in Exodus 34, he's already back with the people. That is just the lovingness of God. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today and you learned something from it. But one thing I want to challenge you guys with today is what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping God or is there a different idol in your life? Because God places huge importance on us and what we are worshiping. We can't be worshiping other gods. We have to worship Yahweh. We have to worship the real God. And I do believe that, um, you know, that's something we need to think about going on, especially into the, well, not especially, but going into the Christmas season. You know, what are we worshiping? You know, are we worshiping our families? Are we worshiping? Our jobs, you know, that's one that's one, I I believe that's one of my top idols is my job. I love my job so much. I've talked about that in the past, like, I don't know what I would do if God took this job away from me. But that's the thing, I need to constantly remember that, you know, God is supreme over my job. And if he takes it away, you know, that's his prerogative. And he's got something better. Planned for me, or possibly for someone else through me. I don't know. But that's the thing. You know, we have to keep our eyes focused on God. So let's think about that through the Christmas season and beyond. But I hope you guys um, enjoyed this episode, and I hope you share it on your social media platforms. And I'm going to drop a link to the uh, YouTube channel, the P40 Ministries YouTube channel, in the show notes of this podcast episode. So you can navigate over there and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Friends and faithful listeners, Happy listening and God bless.